Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Welcome back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. I'm Kevin Bowen. Live here in my base. I can't believe it's still March. March 31st. Unbelievable. Uh, longest month ever in the history of the world. About to come to an end. Frank Wright caught up with us earlier today. Um, kind of a, I would say an annual thing, but honestly, it usually takes place in Florida or Arizona. Um, today was supposed to be the league's annual meetings. They were uh, scheduled to be in Florida. One year it's in Arizona, the next year it's in Florida to appease owners on other sides of the country. And so Frank Reich typically talks for about an hour every uh, owner's meetings uh, at a little breakfast and recaps, and all head coaches do this. Um, they have an AFC breakfast and an NFC breakfast, and Instead of Frank Reich doing that today in Florida, the Colts are practicing social distancing to the full effect, and so Frank Reich was at his home. Had a little Zoom call, a few awkward media members not unmuting themselves, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I won't reveal any names, but we got through the call. Some great insight from Frank Reich. We'll, we'll hit on a lot of that on today's podcast. Um, and then talk about uh, TJ Carey, the new cornerback that the Colts signed on Monday. God, all these days. They just run together at this point. Um, and, and we'll get into Twitter questions. I know I promised more Twitter questions last time. I lied. Um, when Frank Reich talks for a half hour, that covers a meaty portion of the podcast. So um, that'll, again, be the main focus for today. Um, there's still about a dozen or so Twitter questions that you guys have sent me that I'll go over. And then it's, I mean, you would think it'd be quieter early April, even mid April. Um, that's when I'll get into more of a, you know, whatever, 50%, maybe even more than that. Twitter question filled podcast because I know a lot of you guys have insights and I haven't just tweeted out, you know, time for another Colts podcast like I usually do. Uh, good news for those of you that have been bugging me about Spotify. I shouldn't say bugging me. Um, the more just helps you guys out that listen to um, your podcast through Spotify. We are now up on Spotify. So check that out. Kevin's Corner over there. Just got word from that earlier today on Tuesday. Um, so for those of you, again, that consume podcasts via Spotify, uh, head over there, Apple, Stitcher, YouTube. We are um, pretty much every place. If there's anything else that I miss, like from a podcast standpoint, if you guys are curious, um, if we aren't on some podcast platform, just let me know. Uh, I assume we're pretty much everywhere where people listen on a consistent basis, but Always good to know that um, we are readily available for you when need be. All right, let's start with Frank Reich. Um, again, talked for a little bit over a half hour today, mainly about the quarterback position. Uh, we'll, we'll get into kind of the Philip Rivers decision, Jacoby Brissett's role. He mentioned Tom Brady and the possible pursuit that the Colts would have had um, for the five or six times Super Bowl winner, whatever he is. Adam Vinatieri talk wide out depth as well. Um, but a, a, as I mentioned, Zoom life is seems to be the life for just about everybody right now. It's certainly life for the Colts. Um, Frank Reich mentioned that that's pretty much how they're, you know, kind of operating right now. Reich has a, a a Zoom meeting every day with the scouting department and Chris Ballard as they get ready for the draft. It's it, absurd to me that the draft is three weeks from Thursday. Um, while I say that March is, seems like the longest month in the world, I also feel like the draft always sneaks up on me. Uh, but yeah, three weeks from Thursday, 
Uh, Beers with Bowen will be two weeks from Thursday. That'll be a virtual one. I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit later in the podcast. But Zoom life is is the way of life for the Colts right now. Offensive meetings, Nick Sirianni leading those. Defensive meetings, you know, Matt Eberflus leading those um, with their respective position coaches. That's via Zoom. And the offseason program for the Colts was supposed to start April 20th. Again, that's the in-person stuff. So think of, you know, strength and conditioning. Um, you can meet in person, you know, that's for like a two week period. And then the next couple of weeks you get into individual drills. And then the final month ish of that nine week off season program is when you get into um, team activities, you know, seven on seven, 11 on 11, um, you know, stuff like that. So that has been delayed. Uh, my opinion, I'd be a little bit surprised if that happens considering where we are at right now um, from a, again, social distancing standpoint, but there's a chance that obviously virtually the coaching staffs of these teams can get with players, you know, via Zoom or whatnot. Um, shout out to Jenna Fisher who works for Zoom. That company is just booming. Jenna Fisher, a great, great friend of um, of myself and certainly m- my wife. They survived Barcelona together back in college, which is a minor miracle, but that's neither here nor there. Um, again, Frank Reich has pretty much said that the contingency plans are in place. They are ready to go if need be on April 20th. If the NFL is like, all right, you can hold meetings with your guys, you know, get, (laughs) I don't know if you're getting all whatever. I think the Colts have like 70 players on their roster right now, get all 70 people on on the old zoom meeting, but obviously position groups, um, you know, maybe it's all right, a half hour with each player for each position coach, you know, things like that. And (laughs) fans should just love, Frank Reich's just genuine nature when he talked about it of him like challenging his coaching staff and saying, guys, we've got to find a competitive advantage through all of this. And, and I, I think it's, it, it's a cool sort of aspect of Frank Reich. Like, I mean, he's, I, I've actually talked to him about technology before and just, you know, the, that entire world for people his age. And, you know, he's got guys on his coaching staff that are older than him and things like that. It can be a bit challenging, you know, football coaches, you know, sometimes they just want the real and pop in the old tape and go from there. But this is, again, the reality of, you know, the world that we're living in right now. So um, the Colts from an IT department and from a scouting standpoint and a coaching staff standpoint as well, they are ready for whatever is thrown at them um, in trying to teach as much as they can. Again, it's only about, what is it, like five hours per day, four days a week, I want to say. So it's not a lot, but it's still some valuable um, times to, you know, install new things, tweak some verbiage, obviously get your new guys up to speed, and just general camaraderie and having guys under your own watchful eye. You know, I think this is different than like college football players right now, but you know, college football players that are used to training tables don't make money. Well, maybe some of the SEC players make money, but you you know what I'm getting at. Like the college athletes right now, it's a big disadvantage. Some people go home and, and they might not have the same sort of advantages that some of their own players or their fellow teammates have in their hometowns from a resource standpoint from just a home life standpoint, the NFL, at least everyone is making money, but still um, it's just, it's on a little bit of a different plan. So I'll be curious to see how the NFL does indeed decide to operate with the off season program here, likely virtually on uh, starting on April 20th.
All right, so Philip Rivers' talk, um, you know, Reich made it clear that this is a really unique opportunity. That was a phrase that he used several times. And I think what he's saying there is it was the opportunity to upgrade in the short term and feel like Jacoby Brissett was still a competent option. I think the word that Frank Reich used in describing Jacoby was content. Um is that the biggest compliment in the world? No, um, but it's a better compliment than you would give a, you know, whatever, Scott Tolzien or a Curtis Painter. So, and I, I think that's probably how I would describe it of, okay, Jacoby's in the bottom, whatever, half, third, fourth, whatever you want to say of the league as a starting caliber quarterback in this league. But if you have the chance to upgrade the most important position in sports, you're going to do it. And, That's what the Colts feel like they are doing. Um, And again, I am a fan of doing something different. You guys know full well, I'm a big ceiling person, raising the ceiling. If you can do that here in the short term in 2020 and doing it with a different style quarterback, and we'll get into that a little bit more on, on, on future podcasts, just taking a deeper dive into how different and what will it look like. And honestly, Frank Reich mentioned some of this today, just what it will look like with Rivers under center. Um, but I am a fan of trying to, okay, we knew full well what it was going to look like with X player under center. Let's do something that is, you know, not out of the ordinary per se, but just something that, um, you feel good about and, and the Colts feel good about this situation. Frank Reich was bullish, bullish on the physical limitations of Phillip Rivers not being an issue. Uh, He watched every single play of Rivers the last two seasons. He offered this quote. Physically, does he still have it all left in the tank at 38? Just having been there on the inside on the three years I was and knowing the quarterback position like I do, I was so confident that physically he was the right player and he had not lost anything. All the throws that I saw on film as I go back and study them compared to previous throws, I really didn't notice any physical gifts diminishing at all. I really didn't. So, th- again, that is Frank Reich's belief on Philip Rivers from a physical standpoint, but I feel like that is kind of the biggest question people have. Maybe turnovers would be the other one, and you could, I guess, throw both of those in the same category, but I will touch on that. You know, Reich hit home the strengths of Philip Rivers, and that is getting the ball out quick, not afraid to pushing it downfield, And then what I thought was maybe the most interesting aspect of what Frank Reich had to say today was he feels like Rivers has a big advantage in helping the Colts tap into some of the read pass option stuff that when Frank Reich was hired, you just felt like it was going to be such a key component to this offense. And certainly last year, we did not see it used enough or consistently or efficiently. And, you know, when I first heard this, I'm like, wait, what? Phillip Rivers RPO? I'm like, my Slick Leonard bobblehead doll here on my desk moves a little bit faster than, than, than old Phil. But he, he mentioned that more from an intellectual, quick processing standpoint. And as I thought about it more, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. RPOs are a heavily, here are four options thrown at you in an instant. You've got to process all that very quickly. And you've got to make the right reads. 
Now, you won't have the element of the quarterback with his legs with Rivers, but you will have the element of, okay, there's the unblocked defensive end. Is he crashing on Marlon Mack? Is he staying at home? Is Jack Doyle there in the flat? What is the weak side linebacker doing? Like, are are, are corners pressing? That, I think, that cognitive aspect of Rivers, that's where they feel like um, he can give them something from an RPO standpoint that, again, is just a little bit more than they got out of Jacoby Brissett and the offense in general last year in 2019. So it's not going to look like RPO of, hey, here's Lamar Jackson, but it is just a little bit of a different um, – it'll be different looking, but it's still such a key element of this offense getting more out of the passing game because, you know, you can you can make that yards per attempt number – you know, you can kind of manipulate it a little bit if you just hit on three big chunks in an entire game. And sometimes that's enough. But I think something that Reich pointed to was just more of a consistent, like, intermediate 10, 12-yard plays. And if you can do that, whatever, a dozen times a game, then all of a sudden your passing offense can become a more of a uh, more of a consistent attack. Uh, he, he mentioned that he felt like uh, Rivers knows 80 to 85 percent of the playbook at least which is huge for any sort of player coming into a new situation Uh, let's be honest Tampa Bay's not having that with Tom Brady and it could even mean more this offseason when you know what we there's no offseason program is training camp limited in in any way I mean those are real questions that every NFL organization is having right now as we sit here on March 31st. So the fact that he knows, you know, over 80% of your um, of your own playbook and just a little bit of verbiage tweakage, that's great. That's huge. Um, so the elite intellectually what, what was another phrase that Reich really wanted to drive home about Rivers. And, and I think it comes back to what the Colts hope they can do is out chess match and play from ahead. And I think playing from ahead might be the biggest factor in all of this. And we'll get into that when I talk about Reich's thoughts on the 20 interceptions that, that Rivers did throw last season. Um, you know, Reich hopes that Rivers will be around, which is a lofty goal, but they hope to be pushing 70% completion percentage. Now, that is not a number the Colts sniffed very often last season. I think they ended the year just under 60% as a completion percentage. Um, Rivers was 66 last year. He was 68 the year before. Now, and I'll get into this. I I noticed one Twitter question that I definitely wanted to hit on with this. But um, I did a little bit more more research. I know you guys have heard me say over the past few podcasts, I have a concern about the lack of bigger body wideouts here in Indianapolis. And... I felt like there was a lot of merit to that, and then I dove a little bit deeper into the stats, and there's a whole lot more merit than I even thought about that. So again, we, we'll touch on that, but I'm just throwing those numbers out there just so you know what Rivers has typically been. He's hovered kind of around mid-60s in his career as a passer. What did Andrew Luck have? 68? Let me see if I can dial that up. Um, God, I swear I miss Joey Molinaro. You guys watch Tiger King? 
<laughs> it was outstanding. I, I, I could watch a documentary on 13 of those characters. Any of them. Enthralled. You know me. I don't watch Netflix very often, but um, boy, that was a good laugh. Needed laugh at this time. 67.3% for Andrew Luck. That was a career high for Andy back in 2018 with Frank Reich. You know, I, I if you can get to 68, 69, somewhere around there, you're going to sign off on that. Phillip Rivers' career high. Um, was with Frank Reich. I think it was 68 and a half back in 2013. Um, so those are some of the things that the Colts feel like they can tap into, why they like Rivers. Um, and and I, I think going back to the out chess match RPO sort of talk, if there's been one thing that this staff has publicly stated about, okay, Jacoby didn't do this well enough this is where he needs to improve. It was the quick decision-making. It was the, here's your read, know where the ball needs to go, and do it in a faster manner. And that comes back to the point of like, okay, getting the ball out quicker, um, general accuracy on some of the underneath stuff, those things. And while some might disagree with this, and, you know, I, I... I would disagree to a point, but but not totally, because I, I went back and watched a lot of all-22 film of, of past Colts games throughout the 2019 season. I'll never forget that Houston game, that, that Thursday nighter down there, where that game you know could have turned the season in a much more positive direction down the stretch. That game, the coaching staff was adamant that guys were open. They did not shy away from that. They felt like there were opportunities to be made in the vertical passing game. And those opportunities just didn't... Basically, the trigger wasn't pulled enough in their mind. And that's something that Rivers is going to do. He's going to make... In their eyes, he'll make the right reads. He'll pull the trigger. Now, that gets into the next topic of the turnovers and the, and the pros and cons that come with a guy that is going to be more of a risk taker. And, and Reich was, you know, very honest that the 20 interception number was unacceptable, which, you know, if Frank Reich's saying that, just picture uh, the coach from next chance, you, or what last chance you just picture him just cussing like none other. So I'm looking at rivers interceptions 20 last year. 17 of those 20 came with the Chargers tied or trailing. 15 of the 20 came from them just flat out losing. So 75% of his interceptions came from when the Chargers were losing. So, don't get down. You know? (laughs) I mean, it sounds... It sounds pretty simple, and I know you guys are going to be like, all right, well, Kevin, I'm going to turn off the podcast. That's the dumbest thing that I've heard you say in the history of this podcast, um, which there's a lot of dumb dumb shit that I've said in this podcast, so I appreciate you lasting over 200 episodes. But I think what what I'm getting at here is more so the Colts feel like they're a better football team than the Chargers. They feel like they are. they have improved as a defense. They feel like their run game is better, and their offensive line is better. And when you factor in all of those things – they believe they'll be playing from ahead a little bit more, and so Rivers won't be in this situation to where he's got to force things or he's got to play catch-up. That is that is the goal. 
Uh, obviously, it's the goal for 32 NFL teams. But this is tr- I'm trying to peel the curtain back of like why the Colts feel like this is an upgrade. I would say the quote from Reich that stood out to me the most um, from him talking for a half hour and, and for I- any of you um, that might have missed it, head to 1075thefan.com. I've got a full notebook rundown. I'll break out into some individual articles with, with some more um, analytical look at look at things here in the coming days and weeks. But that, that's kind of your one step shop for uh, one stop shop, excuse me, for everything that that Reich had to say. But this quote again stood out to me the most. And this is about Rivers and just the risk taking. Frank Reich saying this: as long as he thinks he has a chance to win, he's throwing the ball down the field. And when other quarterbacks might be taking checkdowns, he's trying to make chunk plays. You know, I, 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 I don't want to put words in Frank Reich's mouth, but how do you not hear that and, and not think about last year's quarterback situation to what you have here right now? Um there's just an element to providing more 50-50 opportunities for your wideouts and tight ends. And again, playing from ahead has got to play into that as well. But I just think that weighed a little bit on this coaching staff of like, they felt like there was, there were chances, plural, to be made with their wideouts or their pass catchers in general, creating separation, creating some sort of openings, or just simply, hey, throw the ball up and let that guy go and make a play. And again, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on what the personnel looks like. Um, but but Reich later at, added that the goal certainly is to cut down on those interceptions, and we just think we'll have the right team around him to get that number down where it needs to be. So that that's a little bit of insight on the Philip Rivers thing. Um, he, he mentioned that that they he watched every game Tom Brady played over the last two years, and this is something that Joey and I I know certainly hit on um, back earlier in, in in 2020. You look into Tom Brady, you look into everybody. You're watching film on Carr and staff for anyone that you think could potentially be on the open market. You analyze and you watch every play, and. Reich loved, loved what he saw from Brady. Um, felt like down the field. He made some throws vertically that he was like, whoa. That I, For his age, that is, I mean, Frank Reich gushing over Tom Brady. Now, all of you out there are like, well, then why not pursue Tom Brady? I think the Colts want, I, I think they like Rivers. Um. And the fact that they don't have to rework as much as the playbook and things like that. And then having said that, I, I, I think maybe the biggest aspect is the commitment to Brady for two to three years versus the commitment to Rivers for one to two. And the fact that getting either of them isn't all of a sudden going to mean, oh, they're a Super Bowl team. No questions asked. Like, no, no, no. I think the Colts know the reality of, like, 
are you going to get better with either of them? Yeah. Or does one of them all of a sudden make you a Super Bowl team? No. So if you can have the out earlier, that's more advantageous to you long-term. And that's where you are with, with Rivers right now in the one-year deal. You know, Reich mentioned one or two, but, you know, contractually, you, you have that out. Now, who would be that quarterback starting for 20, in, in 2021? Who the hell knows? But that – um, and, and he did throw in the caveat of, like, you know, every camp had to be on the same page, and that includes Brady's camp. And if the Colts were steadfast in saying, no, one-year deal is all we feel good about giving out, then – um. That could have been the official deal deal breaker. All right, Jacoby Brissett stuff. As you'd expect, Brissett wasn't happy about the Rivers decision. He shouldn't be happy. You know, he, he's a competitor, and that's exactly what you want. <laughs> I love that uh, that Reich. After about the third or fourth Jacoby Brissett question, it was similar to um, Chris Ballard's reaction at the um, at at the combine about Brissett. Reich used the um, used the phrase. For crying out loud, we got off to a 5-2 and two start when describing Jacoby Brissett. Frank Reich saying for crying out loud, that's that's like uh, whatever, a, a normal human being saying, are you effing kidding me, people? That, that That's like, that's Frank Reich cussing like none other. Uh, but it goes back to, again, what they think of Jacoby. They still like him and believe that they have a really quality backup that, as Frank Reich said earlier today, can still be a starter in this league. Um, he unprompted brought that up on several occasions. And again, I don't think you're creating smoke trying to like stir up some big trade value that is magically going to appear. Where's Jacoby Brissett going to go right now and compete for a starting job or, or, or be a starter? I mean, I, I don't see a lot of teams... You know, Cam Newton, seemingly, it's difficult for him to find a home that would be a starting quarterback. Um, and Reich was adamant that to be a championship-type football team, and certainly his his background with the Eagles would, you know, is the ideal blueprint for this. You have to have a backup that can step in and win a couple of games if, if you need him to. And I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think from a backup standpoint, Jacoby Brissett can come in and can give you a football team that can go win a game on a Sunday afternoon. I I don't disagree with that at all. Now, we can get in the argument, and I certainly have in this podcast, of, you know, is that guy worth the, you know, the $21 million cap hit that he is here in 2020? And then, you know, what do you do come, come draft time? And Reich mentioned that, you know, they are evaluating quarterbacks and one or two or three that they like. Okay, if that guy is there in the draft, so many factors have to play into, you know, the Colts being there on the clock and, and that matching up with, with what's on the board and all of that. Um, so, again, I, I everything I heard from Frank Reich today just further reiterated maybe, I think I stressed it on Friday's podcast, of there is a decent to better than decent chance Jacoby Brissett's on this football team come week one. Now, maybe the most head-scratching thing that Reich said all day long, um, and I guess I'll throw in the caveat of I, I really appreciate Frank Reich having this 
um, 30 minute talk, but this is one where I was just kind of like, wait, you're going to have to show me more. I, I, I'm a little bit confused by this. It was when he mentioned using Jacoby in five to seven plays as a gadget player throughout the course of a game. Now, you guys know full well that I'm obsessed with gadget stuff, doing things differently, uh, whatever, read option or pre-snap motion, misdirection stuff, like all of that I love. I think it's great. I think it's innovative, and I'm a huge fan of it. But when I heard this, I'm thinking to myself, it sounds like a college coach who is trying to appease the five-star freshman quarterback so he doesn't transfer or so, you know, dad isn't calling. Like, oh, gosh, boy, we really need to create a package for, uh, um, you know, Brandon Wimbush. Like, you know, I think I like Ian Book a little bit more, but, you know, Wimbush has got that high ceiling or whatever. Like, <laughs> that was my first thought. I was kind of like, wait, what? Because when I think of, like, gadget players or, like, whatever, Taysom Hill's coming into the game, that all of a sudden means blinkers on and caution sign everywhere for the opposing defense. All right, all right, you know, red alert, red alert, whatever, Taysom Hill's coming in the game. What does he do well? Well, he runs well. He, he's a very good athlete. For... A dual-threat quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, is not that. He is not that. From a lateral movement, tuck it, can he make, you know, can he uh, break tackles? Can he shed guys? Yeah, but that comes more to me in, like, the course of a play of, like, in the pocket, not like a designed, hey, we know there's going to be guys that are going to grab him, but we're going to design it because we believe he can just shed him in the open field. I don't know. I, I just <laughs> and, and Reich mentioned, you know, he wouldn't get into details, which obviously it's a competitive advantage standpoint. He's not going to say this, but there are some specific things situa- situationally that he felt like Jacoby did really well last year. And I know the Colts were really good in the uh, in the red zone. They were six in the league last year in the red zone. For a while, they were pretty good on third down, kind of regressed to more middle of the pack, but we're still a little bit better than that. But I'm just thinking to myself, okay, what – does that guy do that you would consider a blue trait that you would put on the field for a sort certain scenario? And I'm just confused. I, 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 I'm just confused by that. Great quarterback sneaker. Okay. Um, protects the ball really well. Yes, for sure. But again, five to seven plays. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I was I was very confused by that. I don't I don't know where um Reich was getting at, but who knows? Who knows what we'll see. Um and I guess when I just think of gadget stuff, you think of more of dual threat capabilities, read option things. Um really quarterback having that leg element I think is a big big part of it. We saw it with, you know, Tennessee bringing Mariota onto the field, you know, during during the playoffs. So Again, I was a little bit confused by that, but um, Jacoby Reset, your 2020 backup. Um, I think it'll happen, but um, you know, we'll talk on April 25th when the uh, when the draft is over, and we'll see what happens then. All right, Adam and Terry, I uh, haven't talked to him in a few weeks. Those are Frank Reich's words, uh, letting the rehab process play out with Vinny. 
I guess the Colts are being cordial here. Again, I, I'm rolling with Chase McLaughlin. If I'm the one m- making these decisions, I don't I don't need a kicking competition. I just – I don't. Um, but I, I always felt like this would be something that would play out deeper than just March. And right now, you know, your free agents are Vinatieri and Clayton Gathers and Jabal Sheard and Chester Rogers and Dontrell Inman and Jonathan Williams, I think, is the sixth one. Um, some of those guys, I'd look into bringing back. Some of them probably want fresh starts elsewhere. They might wait till after the draft, you know, to see if all of a sudden a position group opens up for another team or something like that. But, um, yeah, that was the update on Vinny. Uh, Wideout depth, he mentioned that he likes it. But this is something that Frank Reich, admittedly, you know, he kind of says is a bit of a fault of, like, when you're a coach, you always think what you have internally you can win with like, that's just part of a coach mindset. Now the key thing is separating that from, okay, I love my guys, but will you show me the film on that guy just again? Wait, I can go get that guy. You know, like it's that stuff that you've got to think about. And I, and I believe that the Colts have that on and need to have that on certainly to be successful. But you know, when he talked about wide out depth, he mentions three guys. Hilton, Campbell, and and Pascal. Well, that's again. I'm not. I don't hear a Steve Ishmael, Reese Fountain. You know, whatever. And we know full well what happened to the wideout depth last year. Um, and, and I think something about Hilton that we have to keep an eye on. And you guys know full well what I think of T.Y. Hilton. I think he's a tremendous receiver. I think his career has not been appreciated enough here in Indianapolis. I mean, we're talking about a, I'm pretty sure he was a very late third round draft pick. And he's played like a bona fide number one. Now, I will say this, when you dive into the numbers with luck at quarterback and without luck, that's where we get into the T.Y. Hilton tier that I think we're going to find out a lot about this season. You know, because when the Colts have had Andrew Luck, okay, they've had a whatever, top five quarterback in the league, where, wherever you want to slot Luck. Bless you. Um, but when they haven't had Luck, it's, you know, Matt Hasselbeck or Charlie Whitehurst. Charlie Whitehurst, who was he married to? That famous actress. Or maybe she's a singer. Cher? Cheryl Crow? Cher? One of the two. Um... I don't know, Cheryl Crow's probably married to somebody famous as well. I probably totally butchered that. But Lance Armstrong, my wife chimes in with. They're divorced. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, Charlie Whitehurst, you know, obviously, ugh, Josh Freeman, Ryan Lindley, what other quarterbacks? Jacoby, Scott Tolzien. Again, it's been like almost the other end of the spectrum. Well, Phillip Rivers certainly is much closer, I would say much closer to luck than he is the other end of the spectrum. Um, of at least some of those guys. So what I'm getting at is where does Hilton fall in the tier? With Andrew Luck, is he a top five wideout in the league? Probably, maybe top seven. Some might argue top ten, whatever. If you look at his numbers without Luck, it's like top 30 wideout in this league. So if your number one wideout is top 30, and then you're relying on Paris Campbell and Zach Paschal to be your slam dunk two and three, Boy, that's uh, – I'm not sleeping great at night. Not, And I'm a huge fan of Campbell and think the Phillip River signing is great for him. 
But Reich, Reich did throw in the caveat of certainly receivers a position they're looking hard at. So, again, the Colts will have to show their cards come draft night. Um, all right, one more thing from Reich. Uh, I asked him about DeForest Buckner and that trade and, and you know what, what he kind of thought when Chris Bauer came to him and was like, hey, I'm giving up the 13th overall pick. Reich uh, referenced Tony Dungy having a coaching clinic. This is after Dungy left the Colts. So what was Dungy's last year? Was it um, – I don't know why 07 is popping in my head. Let me look that up real fast. Did you guys watch that Manning Bowl the other night, first Manning Bowl? I watched the first drive, and the drive took way too long, um, so I stopped watching. But, <laughs> God, Peyton Manning was such a – just a precise individual. He's just a surgeon out there. And Dominique Rhodes. <laughs> I love Rhodes. That was a fun watch. 08, the last year for, for Dungy. So Dungy comes back, right thought, 2009, 2010, coaching clinic, whatever, and reiterates to them what a um, how important the three technique is to this defense. And it was just kind of ingrained to right, even as an offensive coach. You know, that was just so you know, really drilled home of like in this defense, you've got to have that three technique. And I mean, these are my words, not Reich's. I, when I start plugging in defensive players and looking at the starters, looking at the depth, I I'm very, very excited to watch this defense play really, really eager to see all the moving parts where guys fit in, see if anything else happens in the draft. Do guys make jumps? How good is, a guy like DeForest Buckner, you know, how does a cornerback depth play out? Huge year for um, Malik Hooker, Bobby Okariki, you know, stepping into year two. Like, I, I just think this defense has some really intriguing potential uh, from a personnel standpoint that I'm that I'm really really excited to see here in uh, in 2020. All right, before we hop into Twitter questions, let's hit on TJ Carey a little bit. Um, the Colts signed him on Monday, uh, so their second 29-year-old corner that they have signed, Xavier Rhodes uh, being the other, Rhodes certainly the more accomplished on the high end, although Carey started a lot in his career. Um, head to 107.5thefan.com if you missed Xavier Rhodes explaining why he felt like he struggled the last two years why and why he, um, why he chose the Colts as well. Um, had a conference call with, with him on Monday. Um, and I thought he was really, uh, really candid about some of that stuff. But TJ Carey, been in the league for six years, four years with Oakland, two years in Cleveland. Why did the Colts make this move? Two reasons, okay? Versatile corner who has history playing as a slot guy. Now, some of you might be like, who the hell cares? Kenny Moore is the slot um, shut up. You want to watch the last month of the season again when Kenny Moore didn't play? I mean, holy hell, you talk about a dumpster fire of a pass defense. I mean, the defense just got shredded through the air. And I, I it started in the Tennessee game, which I think is when Kenny Moore uh, got hurt first at Lucas Oil. Again, when you look back on it, one of the biggest games of the season. Kenny Moore gets hurt. Roland Milligan slides into the slot. Ryan Tannehill, third and 10. I think the Titans were up 
want to say they're up seven maybe, but a big play in terms of can you, you know, put the nail in the proverbial coffin. And, boy, there's that Raymond guy, deep post, beautiful ball by Tannehill, beats Milligan, touchdown. Great coaching, knowing full well Kenny Moore's out. Um, and then the Colts get shredded by Winston and shredded by Drew Brees and shredded by Gardner Minshew. And, you know, the nickel means so much in this defense. It, it's one of those, um, what does Iberflus call it, a pressure spot? Hot spot, hot spot. That's what he calls it, a hot spot of just a lot of activity. And so I think that's where Kerry comes into play. He could be potentially your backup nickel. And when you look at this roster of, Xavier Rhodes and Marvell Tell and, and Rocky Scene, there's just not a backup nickel. Quincy Wilson, I, you guys saw how much he played late in the season. Clearly, you know, even in that Saints game, he got in there and got a little grabby and struggled. So, I mean, Chris Ballard, unprompted this offseason, was like, we had a major drop off when we lost Kenny Moore. We've got to get better there. So I think that's where Kerry comes into play. And when I initially saw this move, I'm like, oh, week three of free agency, here comes a guy to compete for a roster spot. Now I look at it, I'm like, well, as long as he hasn't fallen off a cliff, I feel like he's going to make the team. And, you know, certainly we'll see how the draft plays out and things like that. But he struggled in coverage last year. I, I, I don't want to mince words there. But again, if this guy's playing primarily in the slot, the coverage responsibilities there they are certainly needed, but it's different types of coverage responsibilities. And I just think there's more on your plate. You're blitzing. You're more of an attackling run support role, those sorts of things. And at six foot, 204 pounds, I think that's where they feel like Carey can come into play. And I want to reiterate, like Chris Boward was pissed about how poor of play they got out of that nickel position down the stretch. So... This is why it is a big deal. Um, he, he's also really durable. Played 72 straight games. That is the third longest streak of any corner in the NFL. So, notable. Why did the Browns cut him? Andrew Barry, new GM coming in there. Uh, Carey, I think, uh, was due. I think he signed a four-year, $31 million deal. Back in 2018, played two years. Uh, Brown said, all right, Sayonara, you struggled in coverage. We're going to cut you. Um, obviously, new coaching staff, scheme changes, all those sorts of things. They saved about $6 million. And Andrew Barry cut, I think, four guys around that time. So, again, I'm not shocked by the move. I, I, I don't want to like act like I'm overlooking this. Kerry struggled in coverage last year. But, again, strong tackler, blitz, known for his blitzing. The nickel responsibilities are a little bit different here in Indianapolis. Um, boy, if you're Quincy Wilson, you probably didn't like seeing that move, though. I mean, right now, your corners, Xavier Rhodes, TJ Carey, Kenny Moore, Marvell Tell, Quincy Wilson, Rocky Seen. Six guys for five spots. Maybe draft a corner. Am I missing somebody? I don't think so. Kerry started 50 games in, the, or in his career. So, I mean, he started a lot. But, again, I, I, what I like now is, like, you see a, a resume like that. This gets back to some of my thoughts um, about the defense and, and why I'm intrigued by it. Like, 
in the past few years, when you see a resume like that, you're like, oh, that guy's going to come in here and start. Now we're debating if that guy's going to make the team. Like That is great, great for the Colts' depth from a defensive standpoint. So, I'm intrigued. All right, we got about a dozen Twitter questions before we wrap up on this edition of Kevin's Corner. Appreciate you all tuning in. Um, hope you all are safe during this time. It's, uh, it's, it's just crazy. Chaos and the more it's starting to hit closer closer to home, it's um, just such a serious situation. So I uh, hope I'm able to provide a little bit of break from some of that for you guys and um, appreciate all of you reading and uh, listening as well. Let's start with Matt. With today's call with Reich, what percent chance would you give that the Colts select a quarterback in April? He alluded to him and Ballard being content with going forward as Jacoby being the backup quarterback, but getting the opportunity to pass on Rivers was too much to pass up. I'm not alone in the perspective of being fine with Rivers as long as we draft a QB for 2021 and beyond. With Reich's sentiments today, seems like we won't go in that direction draft-wise thoughts. I, 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 let's not read all the way into that, Matt. I, I get why you see that. I'd say, you know, all offseason long, I'd said, what, 98% chance the Colts draft a quarterback. As the offseason has played out, that number has lessened for me. I still look at it as a 70% chance the Colts draft a quarterback. I do. Some might say that's high, but um, I'll go 70 I, I just I think that's that, that's appealing, um, just to see what you got, see what you see what you can develop, and, and I, I think in the back of your mind you have to think about this: what happens if Philip Rivers is just a one-year deal? He falls off a cliff, like, and you don't draft a guy here in 2020. That means you hope you can re-sign Jacoby Brissett, and maybe at this point. Brissett's going to want a uh, fresh start. He's not under, you have no quarterback under contract past 2020. Matt also asked, do you think it's more likely that Jacoby asked for a trade um, or that the Colts aren't blowing smoke about a decreasing in value asset and we go forward with him as quarterback number two? Uh, Like I said earlier, where's Brissett going to go? Where? He can choose his own home next year. You know, he'll only be, what, 28, 29, something like that? I can't see Brissett demanding a trade. Mitch, KB, this is a bigger hint. Is this a bigger hint of what to expect in a couple weeks? He's referencing um, Frank Reich's comments about Jacoby in that gadget role. Mitch says, if we are thinking of making Jacoby a Taysom Hill-type role, we are for sure drafting a quarterback, unless Reich feels like Swag Kelly is a true backup QB in this league. Would love to get your thoughts on it on the pod. Like I said earlier, folks, Jacoby Brissett, I mean, if you look at like combine, raw combine numbers, not just we watched Jacoby Brissett in game film last year. He's just not a very athletic quarterback when you think of Taysom Hill or Lynn Bowden or whatever, Marcus Mariota, like these other QBs that I guess have played that gadget role. um, We certainly see it much more in college than we do in the NFL, but, um, yeah, I just, I can't, I, I, I wish I had a better understanding of what, of what Reich is getting out there, but I can't really see it. 
Tom says, all right, Coach Reich speaks so highly of Mr. Rivers. What a polite way to call it. I guess Philip Rivers is old, 38. Yeah, I guess you do call him Mr. Rivers. I feel like he praised Vinny even more, and look how that went. Do you worry about Coach's ability to properly evaluate players that he's had a relationship with? Some examples, Rivers, Jacoby, and Vinatieri. Fair question, Tom. Um, you know, Reich was asked later on in, in the um, in the uh, Zoom conference about Pierre Desir and parting ways with Pierre. And now he hasn't had the one-on-one sort of connection with Pierre that maybe you would have with Vinatieri from an age standpoint, or obviously Jacoby from a quarterback standpoint, and even Rivers certainly three years in San Diego. But you know, he mentioned that and was very adamant that like. When you are in the position that he is in, this is a prerequisite. This is something you have to have. Chris Ballard has to have it, and Frank Reich have to have it. You can love a guy, love his leadership, see all the sentimental aspects in it, think that he's a great guy for the community, for your locker room, all of that. But at the end of the day, insert my cliche quote here, the NFL is a business. And you have got to be able to remember that more than anything. It, it is a business. So, look, there is evidence, and the Vinatieri thing probably be the most damning of it. Honestly, from a Jacoby standpoint, like, if the Colts were going to run it back with Jacoby Brissett here in 2020, then I would throw him into that category. But, like, they aren't. They they, they realize that Phillip Rivers is an upgrade. So, um, I think that that is something that you have to – keep in perspective here when talking about that. The Vinatieri thing, though, is just who knows. Primus, could it be that with the coronavirus making new alliances, unable to form solid foundations, and the old guard falling apart, Ballard saw the dominoes falling, and like a viper that had patiently laid in wait, knew this is the time to strike. Wow. Sounds like I'm watch. I've never watched Game of Thrones, but that sounds like like an intro to Game of Thrones. Primus, <laughs> I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Um, no, I don't. To be honest with you, I I love the plot. Sounds great, but um, no, I, I don't think they were like this is our chance. I just think the dominoes unfolded how it did. They were in need of a quarterback. They had great resources to use, and they used them. We've been harping on it for weeks, months, years. They've they've used those resources. And at this point, when you have missed the postseason like you have in four out of the last five years, you got to do things differently. Now, I do think the Colts can can benefit from this. I do. From this whole um, you know, lack of in-person interaction. Certainly they have a new quarterback. But, you know, if Rivers can still get some guys together, bring your receivers together in five or six at a time, or just your main guys, I guess, get them together for a week in Florida. You know, hopefully social distancing will allow for that. You get some great working with your wideouts. And then from a playbook film session standpoint, technology takes care of itself. The Colts aren't implementing new systems on any phase of the game. So I, I do think it's something to benefit. I am curious, and, and I know that you didn't ask this, Primus, but like, if you look at the AFC right now, 
what the pecking order looks like. You know, for the most part, we're through the bulk of free agency. We'll see what happens with Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe trade, things like that. Um, the draft will, you know, certainly shift some things, but I mean, like Kansas City and Baltimore, I feel like we're pretty quiet. Baltimore did get Clay's Campbell. Kansas City, I, they struck me as really quiet. But I mean, they're still good. And I still think they are in a tier by themselves. But then you get to that next tier. Boy, there's a lot of teams. A lot of teams I feel like I could I could throw in there. And I think the Colts are honestly one of them. I kind of like Buffalo. Anybody else like Buffalo? If you ever have the chance to go to um, Niagara Falls, do it. Beautiful. Especially from the Canadian side. That's the only time I've been to Canada, though. All right, we had a question from Down Under. Colts, Rockets, Stars, Dodgers. Hey, Kevin, big fan of the pod. As a non-American, I find most other Colts content really narrow-minded and old school. Anyway, I had a take for the Colts draft. The more I think about it, the more I'm in favor of drafting two wideouts in the first three rounds. Okay, he he mentions a lot more stuff. We'll, we'll kind of paraphrase here. He mentions T.Y.'s age. Campbell is the only one under contract past 2020. That's a good point I haven't really thought too much about. Depth at the wide receiver uh, position is good in this year's draft class. He thinks a rookie could actually start there. And Ballard isn't afraid to double dip. All good points. Thank you for listening to the pod, and I'm glad that you um, that you appreciate the type of content that we that we have uh, produced and will continue to uh, to send out on a regular basis. Okay, let's start with the Ballard isn't afraid to double dip. He isn't afraid to double dip when he's talking trenches, or mainly when he's talking defense. Like when I guess he double dipped. Now that I think about, it. but those are day three picks. You can't talk about day three picks. I'm talking Wilkins and Hines, same draft. Fountain and Kane, same draft. I'd be, I'd be really surprised if he went wide out. Well, two wide outs in the first three rounds, okay. That would surprise me a little bit. Two wide outs in the second round would really surprise me. And I go back to the quote that I mentioned on the podcast last week. Chris Ballard, and this is where I need Joey. I need Joey for so many things. Um, Joey doesn't need me for anything, though. Joey would do a great Chris Ballard impression right here. When Ballard says, y'all stress over or obsess over wideouts, I obsess over the guys in the trenches. So when he takes Quentin Nelson and comes back and takes Braden Smith, it's because he's obsessed with the trenches. I just can't see him going back-to-back wideouts. But look, if, if I'm running the show, two wideouts in the first three rounds, that sounds a bit appealing to me. And for those points that you made, now, I will say, when you talk about a rookie that could actually start, Ballard has been brutally honest in saying, it's not a slam dunk that you find these guys that can just come in and start from day one at the receiver position. All right, speaking of the Manning Bowl, Matt wants to turn back the clock. I'm reliving the Manning and Luck years on NFL Game Pass. So much fun to watch these indie legends. If Ballard wants veteran leadership, how about bringing back Antoine Bethay so he can finish his career as a Colt? Depth and veteran leadership. First off, for those of you who are watching these old school games, I cannot believe that... I would say I've watched more old school basketball games lately. They used to not have the score on the freaking screen at all times. Hello? Am I supposed to memorize it? 
I mean, gosh, production quality has evolved so much. All right, Matt, Antoine Bethea, one personally one of my favorite Colts. I love Antoine Bethea. Never should have left in uh, what year was that? 2013, Laron Landry. <laughs> God, that dude was ins- that dude is nuts. Nuts. Uh, but they went to Arizona with uh, with Bruce Arians. Grigson with Landry. We saw how that ended up. But is going to turn 36 in July. Um, do I think safety depth is a need? Yeah, I guess. You know, Malik Hooker, one. Cardi Willis, two. George Odom, three. Who's your four right now? Roland Milligan. He's kind of played a little bit of a hybrid. So uh, a fourth safety, but to me, that fourth safety's got to play special teams. Is Bethea going to do that at age 36? And really, this is a move that just, it's not something Ballard has done. Now, again, he harped on veteran leadership, as you mentioned, a lot this offseason. But, yeah, th- that's the thing with these, like, Eric Berry, Antoine Bethea moves. you got to sit them down on the couch and be like, um, maybe 10 snaps a game, maybe 15 snaps. Like, are you good at that? So, maybe, but I kind of like a young, more of a hybrid. Another Marvell Tell. Six-round pick on a, on, a, on a guy like that. Don't you have two six-rounders, I think, this year? All right, JJ's back. JJ, has any NFL team been successful with only average and below quarterback, receiver, running back? Why does Ballard think this will work? Ah, JJ, just... Marlon Mack, below average running back? Average? I don't think so. Rivers, is he a top 16 quarterback in the league? I I would hope so. I'm not sitting here calling him top 10, but, you know, I think what they they believe in, and this goes back to the Hilton thing about about those tiers. Wideout, in my mind, has got to improve. Without question. That is where I will 100% agree with you, JJ. Now, the Rivers thing is the Colts are steadfast that they believe that um, that they can get Rivers back into a top 10 guy. And then long-term, obviously, this is not a successful operation. But I will disagree with you about running back um, and just run game in general, which you got to factor in the offensive line into that. I brought, all right, uh, geez, I'm just mumbling. Quarantine's got me mumbling. It's March 31st. March has been so bleeping long. Happy birthday to my brother. Happy birthday to my brother-in-law, Ross. Ryan, Ross, happy birthdays. I love March. Great month. So, bro, Pacers fan, what have been your favorite places to hit up for takeout during the quarantine? Psalms Half Leader has a really cool takeout model now. And Mo and Johnny's has been clutched too. Speaking of that, I think we're going to do a little Mo and Johnny's action tonight. I live very close to Mo and Johnny's. I'm craving some fat dance. That's what I'm really craving right now. Um, got some Napoli's a few days ago before they um, before they shut down. We we have a list up up on our website. Um, check that out. One hundred seven five the fan. We got a list of all local restaurants that are available for takeout, carry out, those sorts of things. And if you have the means, certainly try and help out during this time. And what about you guys? I just miss I miss a lot of things, obviously. 
and health is the most important thing throughout all of this, but just going to the bar and having two beers, three beers and watching a game, you know, I went with a handful of buddies watching the IU Minnesota game same night as Pacers Timber or uh, Pacers Bucks and Butler Xavier or whoever Butler played that night. Who Butler played Providence, Seton Hall, somebody, none of those teams. I think Butler played Georgetown actually. Um, yeah, just missed that. Went to Bo and Johnny's though for it. Great spot. Missed my local watering hole in Fountain Square. Haven't been there in a while, but shout out to Sam Silver Circle. Great spot. All right, uh, uh, about a handful more here. Uh, maybe seven more. All right, John. Hey, Kevin, love the show. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on which wideout you believe we should keep our eyes on in the draft. Also, which quarterback would you rather see under center next year, Jalen Hurts or Jacob Eason? All right, let's start with wideout. Um, Denzel Mims, um, the Chenault kid out of Colorado, um, Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool. Those are some names that, that, that I keep on thinking of. Brandon Ayuk as well. Maybe T. Higgins. Um, so, yeah, those are those are some of the names. Uh, quarterback under center, Eason or Hurts? Well, I, no, neither of them are going to be under center. Obviously, it's going to be <laughs> Phillip Rivers. But uh, I'm not obsessed with either, but I'll go with Hurts. Yeah. Hurts is starting to grow on me a little bit more. Eason just, yeah, I don't know, just kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. But that seems to be the guy I mocked to the Colts a little bit more here in these recent uh, mock drafts. TJ, with the Colts going heavy on defense outside of Rivers and free agency, and then potentially signing a guy like Eric Berry or Tony Jefferson. With Tony Jefferson, again, where, where, where's he going to play? What would be your over-under for offensive players in the draft? For the sake of the exercise, let's say they stay at seven picks. Thanks for the content, sir. Thank you for the question, TJ. Great question. Love over-unders. Seven picks. Over under, I will set it at four and a half for offensive players selected. I'm going over. But I, I don't feel confident. Again, if I'm running the operation, I go over. Five. Two wideouts. Quarterback. Tight end. Offensive tackle. Give me a hybrid DB and a defensive end and call it a day. I don't know. Is a defensive end even going to make the team? God, yeah, great depth on that D-line. Zach, hey, Kevin, great job on the podcast. With all the talk about drafting a QB and knowing what we know about Chris Ballard, I feel like if there is a guy that Ballard would draft in this class that not a lot of people are talking about, but he has high character, would be Jake Fromm. He played well at Georgia and produced, even unseated Jacob Eason and beat out Justin Fields. Even though he had a down year last year, I think he is being undervalued. Late second, even going into the third round in some mocks, and Frank Wright can develop into a potential franchise quarterback. Um, my mock draft article I posted on Monday on the site, Jake Fromm was the thumbnail image that I chose. He was a quarterback that had been mocked to the Colts in a few drafts. Boy, judging by a few of those mentions. I don't think people will be too happy about that. But having said that, Zach, you bring up a lot of good points. And, I, and I've tried to stress this. The Fromm pick, to me, he's not River, 6'4", 230. But the intellect, the, the pre-snap ability, 
And it all goes back to those developmental traits. What can the coaching staff feel like they can develop? What can they not feel like they can develop? I'm not ruling them out at all. And you will hear this a lot out of me over the next few weeks. Got to throw a dart at the board. Got to. Just because it's not the high-quality dart, you throw it at the board. You know, I, I think to myself um, of like some current quarterback situations, and I talk about the Bills. The Bills, they took a QB in 2017 and 2016 and still drafted Josh Allen in 20, or felt the need to trade up for Josh Allen. Like, you're going to have some swings, and you're going to have some misses. So you got to take more swings. In my mind, I mean, there are set. I mean, how many swings have the Browns took? Just because you miss, I I don't want to just all of a sudden say, "Boy, you're gonna have one chance to do it. You better get it right." No, you you need a backup as well. Like, um, you know, all all of those things. All right, this is from my man Hunt. I've got a great buddy called the Head Hunter Scrapper One Three One Five. I don't believe this is him, but um, Hunt chimes in. Maybe it's his brother, Drew. Or, um, God, what's the other Hunt brother's name? I can picture him right now. Used to be my wife's boss. Dan. Dan Hunt. Best looking Hunt, Dan Hunt. All right. Hey, Kevin, big fan of the podcast and the show. Was just curious on your thoughts about the Colts possibly drafting Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame in the second round to help out the wideout group. And if not him, who are you seeing that you like for the Colts in the second round? Okay, I mentioned some wideouts earlier. But, folks, let's lock in right here on Chase Claypool. Um, I'm a fan. Uh, when I talk 50-50 balls, the epitome of that pass catcher, that's him. Like, go watch his highlight tape. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more on future podcasts, but I will stress enough, and I will bring some ammo to back it up when the time is to have the bigger discussion. Philip Rivers thrives with big body wideouts. Some might make the argument that's really all he really works with at a high level. That's a fair argument to make. You gotta have some big body guys. And, and even if Claypool, who's not a great route runner right now, and I wish he would I wish he would have offered a little bit more yards after catch. With that body, I think there's more there. And some of that might be on another name, honestly. Hell, why we lost to Georgia, played so bad against Michigan. But still, even if I don't get that out of Claypool, I'm getting a great special teams player. I'm getting a guy that's going to high point 50-50 balls and be such a great red zone threat, back shoulder, those sorts of things. Try not to be biased, but I like him. Craig doesn't get the quarterback situation. Rivers is an upgrade, but is short-term and rarely gets hurt. How is Brissett supposed to progress? Is he suddenly going to be the future after not getting in, in any games this year? I'll be really puzzled if the Colts draft a quarterback and don't trade Brissett immediately. Maybe this all foreshadows a draft day trade with Brissett. Well, like I said, unless you're going to get some great value, I almost think you ride things out with Jacoby Brissett until training camp. And you know maybe someone gets hurt in the preseason. That's where I think is trade value could really uh, go up. Um, it, to me, it's just like I don't see anything that could happen this season unless Brissett plays that you're like, Philip Rivers is done after one year. Jacoby Brissett is our starter in 2021. Yeah, and maybe Rivers plays two years. 
You know, it's just, I, I just can't see that. And, and I honestly think that you make some, some really, really good, uh, good points. And I think if the Colts trade back in this draft, which again, some people might scare away, you know, is that bolstering draft capital for 2021 to make a big trade up for one of those guys? All right, three more here. Wyatt, do you think a part of Ballard's reasoning for signing Rhodes is to give Quincy Wilson an all-pro role model in a last attempt to salvage his career? He was the second player Ballard as Colts GM ever drafted, and the kid is talented. Wyatt, um, Xavier Rhodes got to worry about himself first. Nice bonus with with leadership. Pierre Desir was a great leader, but... um, Again, Xavier Rhodes has got to get himself back on track first and tap into that talent. Andrew, if Rivers doesn't provide an upgraded quarterback, do we need to question this team's ability to judge quarterback talent? They seemed okay to run with Tolzien until the last minute, traded for Brissett, who they touted as a top 15 QB. Then if Rivers doesn't upgrade the quarterback position, another failed QB in the building, do we need to see if they draft the QB in the draft this year and how they perform if they play in 2021? Andrew also asks about um, beers with Bowen. It'll be virtual. Um, maybe I talked about it on last podcast. April 16th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Pencil that in your calendar. That's what we're going for. Well, it's what we're going for. Virtual. We'll be live. Um, we'll have more details in the coming weeks. But, uh, yeah, drink a beer. Get on the couch. Quarantine with us. Week before the draft. We'll make it fun. As far as your question, okay, some of that is very fair. But to me, I think the main judge in my eyes is your long-term decision at quarterback. All of those are short fixes. Tolzien, Bursette. Like, if you would have said Bursette's your starter in 2020, now we have a different story. But they didn't say that. And the whole Bursette top 15, 20, that was always odd to me. So, again, I think, I think you just, it, it's more the long-term answer. All right, lastly from, from Tony, with the Colts signing Rivers to a one-year deal and with what seems to be no intention of trading Jacoby, is there a good chance they brought in Phil for a quick fix and to let Jacoby develop further from Phil's experience? Well, a little NC State tied to. Good point. NC State quarterbacks in this league. Um, maybe a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's not the craziest thought. But again, they don't feel like Jacoby's a top-level starter. If they did, they would have. Continue to have him be your, be the quarterback. You don't stunt the growth like here in 2020 and then pick it back up in 2021. No, you just ride it out. But again, I still have that question of who's your starter and um, who's your backup in 2021. All right, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in to this edition of Kevin's Corner. Um, probably only one this week. I don't expect any other moves from the Colts. Um, again, 1075thefan.com. Has a, a lot of written content. The Frank Reich notebook is up over there. And uh, if you have any thoughts on Beers with Bowen that you want to see here in a couple weeks, the virtual one, let me know. And uh, if you ever have any Twitter questions, chime in in the DMs or just tweet at me. And I usually see them over there. Um, lastly, stay safe. Um, I, I know you're hearing that endlessly and you're coming here for an escape with all of this. But, um, you know, this. Coronavirus is starting to hit 
hit home a little bit more. And uh, please stay safe. Practice social distancing. Um, and, and as Frank Reich mentioned today, you know, really think about those at most risk, older people, elderly, um, certainly our first responders, people in healthcare, doctors, nurses. Um, I think about my sister-in-law, two of my sisters-in-law that are both in, in, in healthcare and just, you know, people like that, that, um, are just showing how, how brave they are and, uh, on the front line of this on a, uh, on a daily basis. So, um, Practice social distancing for sure. I know it sounds stupid to some people or just whatever, but um, that's the only way I think to uh, currently fight this. And I'll keep the content coming. That'll be my that'll be my uh, my promise to everybody out there. Everyone have a great rest of your week, great weekend. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, K Bowen ten seventy on Twitter. Later. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.